0: From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Christmas is a weird time of year. No other season is such a potent combination of stuff happening. You have family traditions and maybe drama, definitely a whole lot of feelings. There's consumerism and the attendant anti-consumerism. There's a whole soundtrack we share and bicker over. Plus for Catholics and other Christians, there's the whole Jesus as God incarnate thing. My point is there's a lot going on, and to help me sort through it all is one of my very favorite writers, Simca Fisher. Simca is a columnist for America Magazine and a couple of other places, and she's the author of the book The Sinner's Guide to Natural Family Planning. Simca and her husband have 10 kids, and I just love the way she writes about everyday life and big theological things so accessibly and hilariously. Since recording this conversation a couple of weeks ago, I've already told a few of the stories Simca shares here with a handful of people. There's a lot of good insight that's sticking with me as I get ready for Christmas. I think you'll really enjoy hearing from her no matter how crazy or calm your Christmas is this year. Merry Christmas from all of us at AMDG, and thanks for joining us. Well, Simca Fisher, welcome to AMDG. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on. How is your Advent going?
1: Oh, it's terrible. Uh, You know, according to tradition, (laughs) isn't Advent Uh, supposed to be going terrible? (laughs) Isn't
0: it? Yeah, I mean, I think like my mom, you know, gives up chocolate for Advent. And I always thought like, oh, it's not a Lent thing. It's like, no, no, it's like, you're supposed to kind of do that too in Advent.
1: Yeah, yeah. We used to give up things for Advent. We used to be pretty hard on ourselves. I used to be, I don't know. It's one of those things where, like I tell myself, like, oh, I'm learning to be so much more reasonable and I'm learning to be so much more flexible. And honestly, I think I've just given up, but I'm trying to persuade myself it's some kind of virtue. I don't know. <laughs> We're going to call it a virtue. Right. <laughs> I'm learning to be flexible. We do. The one thing the one thing that we do that's sort of lent like is that um in theory, at least we go screen free from seven o'clock to nine o'clock uh, during advent. Advent. Yeah. For the whole family. And of course, you know, if you have homework and you really have to do your homework, obviously you can have your internet if you really need it or whatever. But in theory, we turn off our screens and we do, you know, we slowly remember how to do all the other things that we used to do (laughs) before we were, you know, before we were uh, hooked up to our screens all the time. And, um, and that's nice. I like, I like doing that. We, I I kind of forgot to do it the last couple of days. So we got to remind ourselves again, but it, it does, it's not, it's not exactly a penance because we usually end up being happier you know <laughs> but it it right. quiets things down it slows things down a little bit and it and it helps us to sort of recalibrate a little bit but um but it is hard <laughs> it's kind of pathetic how hard it is to do actually for just those for just those two hours we have a lot we have a lot of teenagers in the house yeah I that think means everything we go is any, hard <laughs>
0: before we get any further we should just do a little context setting um when you're talking about home for you there, there are how many people are there? What are their ages,
1: etc. Uh, well, we currently have eleven people living in the house. I have ten. I have ten children. One of them, one of them, managed to break away and has her own apartment. But all of the rest of them are living at home. So we have um, the oldest of my children is twenty three. I have three children who are in college, but um, they're saving money by um, living at home while they go to college. And my youngest is six. So. Um, we are and they just announced that they're going to start doing distance schooling again so everybody's going to be coming home oh. um for everything all the time <laughs> it's going to be awesome
0: <laughs> yeah so that so what when you talk to your 23 year old who has who is living somewhere else yeah it, it, what is she is it like it's weird it's too quiet or it's a relief like what? what do you hear from her or depends on the oh day?
1: well you know I, I guess I'm gonna have to say that depends on the day you know it's one of those things where um, when I had a bunch of young children I had lots and lots of theories about how to have adult children and now that I have adult children I have no theories and I don't know what I'm doing and I have no advice and that's all I have to say about that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that was my next question, because I have my oldest of three is six. And so I was going to say, all right. um, Yeah. So just hit me with all your but you you
1: don't you don't like to give. I got nothing. I got nothing. I'm sorry. It's just I got nothing. I (laughs) like I like I like having adult children. They're very funny. They're very interesting people. They're very interesting to talk to. I love seeing all the things that they're into. But it's also it's. It's, it's harder and stranger than I thought it would be. And it's, it's scarier than I thought it would be. And it's like, it's like when you have, when you have a baby and. It's very, you know, you have a baby for the first time and you're like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing because I've never had a baby before. And it's like, "Okay, that makes sense. I've never had a baby before. I don't know what I'm doing. But when you have a young adult child, you feel like you ought to know what you're doing because you've known this person for 20 years already. But somehow you're completely at sea, even though this is somebody that you've spent the last 20 years with and you're just as much at sea as you were when they were a baby somehow.
0: (laughs) I'm sorry to be
1: discouraging, but that's how it is. Well, no, I mean, and
0: I I try to tell myself this, which is not always helpful, but like little kids, little problems. And I've heard that from, you know, parents of older kids who want to uh, assure you that it will get worse. Yeah,
1: I wouldn't put it it that way. I wouldn't put it that way. I I will be honest with you. I do not miss the baby years and the toddler years. I love babies. I love toddlers, but I'm serious. Like, I'm going to be 47 in a week. I, you know, famous last words, but I'm not. I don't I don't miss being up all night with a baby. I don't miss like constantly wiping bottoms and wiping up spills and getting fixing things for people. And like, you know, somebody's throwing their eggs at me because I made it wrong. Like, I don't. That was hard too It's It's I, I don't like the comparison Like oh You think that's hard But this is really hard like, No it's right. just right. Well, There's that like
0: braggy Yeah there's like always That braggy Right When people have gone you Through You have no something. idea
1: What suffering is Yeah I'm not I'm not I'm not doing that It's just It's just new It's new And it's different And and I don't know What I'm doing That's all Just in case my kids Are listening Which they're not Because they don't Listen to me <laughs> As we know My children do not Listen to me
0: <laughs> and They're not going to do that uh, In their free time When they don't have to be On a
1: Probably not. (laughs) No.
0: Um, So, okay. So you mentioned one of these things you do for Advent. This is our Christmas episode. So we're going to spend very little time on Advent and go right to Christmas. But I think some of those things about like, hey, we put down... The phone, whatever. Like, we try to carve out some of that time. That to me, like, leads me into this one topic I'm curious about, which, you know, like, we have to start thinking about Christmas and like what we do about um, Santa and like how much stuff we're gonna give our kids or not give our kids, what we're gonna tell them or not tell them. There's like all all those questions, and there's like the and like, so I guess with a bunch of kids uh, and having with uh, of all different ages, like, how do you guard against the commercialism of Christmas in your family?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well. I mean, that's again, that's one of those things that I used to like really worry about. I used to be very uptight about it and be like, oh, we have to make sure it's not about the presence. It's about Jesus and it's not about the lights. It's about Jesus and it's not about candy. It's about Jesus. And I, and like I realized after a while I was basically t- treating the kids to resent Jesus, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> and I thought, well, that's not right. That can't be the right way to do it. And that honestly, like my my. My parents were adult converts. My parents, they grew up as secular Jews, and then they went through this long, crazy odyssey where they tried various different religions, and they had all these different crises. They were Buddhists. They were a member of a, members of a cult for a while. They were charismatic Christians. They were this, they were that. And then they finally ended up in the Catholic Church, uh, when I was about four years old. So they didn't have a lot of traditions of cultural Catholicism to draw. on. so when they were raising us Catholic, they were winging it. You know, they had like Thomas Aquinas, who doesn't teach you like how to have a holly jolly Christmas at all, you know. <laughs> so um, so they were very much on. There's a long way around to saying that they were very much on guard against having an over commercialized Christmas. And they didn't. But they didn't really replace it with anything either. And, and, and what they succeeded in doing was making me like wish that I got a bunch of presents like my friends did and then feeling bad about wishing it because I knew that's not what it was supposed to be about. But like they didn't really fill it in very well with something else. Like they're like, no, no, you should not do the commercialism, but they didn't really fill it in with much. I mean, obviously we went to mass and everything and, and, and we had a special meal and stuff, but it, it was, Anyway, so I thought, well, I don't want to do that. So, where I've landed pretty much with my own kids is that, oh, and the other thing is, I mean, honestly, with a big family, I am not buying them a lot of stuff. Like, we just can't afford to buy them a lot of stuff. So, my kids don't get a lot of the stuff that other kids get anyway. So, when Christmas comes around, honestly, I splurge. We spend a lot of money on Christmas presents and we get a lot of silly, crazy stuff that we wouldn't ordinarily buy. And I feel okay about that because it's a way of showing love it's a way of being happy it's a way of making it special and i just try and get it all in there i make sure we do lots of religious stuff we do some spiritual practices we definitely go to mass we do our advent calendar we do our jesse tree and um and we do presents and we do cookies and we do um, and we do Hanukkah and we do everything. We basically just do everything. Like this is my, this is my approach to parenting in general. I just kind of throw everything at the wall and what sticks sticks and, and I, I don't know what else to do. So I don't know if that's a useful answer for anybody, but that's, um, that's, 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 that's basically how we've landed. I don't, I, I, I don't, I, I try and steer clear of the, um, the, 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 guilt as spirituality form of parenting because that doesn't that doesn't end well so there's
0: a lot there is a lot though like if you're going to do you know catholic stuff and and other stuff there's a whole lot of things to draw on yeah you know, as, as you're mentioning like just you know to as opposed to just like picking one or two or like we just started doing this with our kids too it's like well we never really celebrated saint nicholas day yeah, um, but I know that some places they put stuff in shoes. So we'll yeah. have them put out their shoes. <laughs> like We'll just we'll, we'll put candy in the shoes uh, or St. Nicholas will put candy in the shoes. And we'll talk a little bit about St. Nicholas. And uh, yeah, we'll just add that in because there is like if you go and like look if there was some kind of I'm sure there is, but like a manual for like, here's all the stuff you could do. Yeah. To like remind your kids of what's going on here. There's, like, oh, a lot yeah. Of options.
1: Yeah. Oh there's tons of them. I mean December is just chock-a-block full of them and and um and and I think I think a lot of what it comes down to is um um making sure that it doesn't become like f- like just being realistic about like what effect does it actually have on your individual family and not like what effect how, how not not so much how do you imagine this ought to be but how is it actually working out for your family like for a couple of years we we had this, there was this lovely thing where you have you put out the Uh, you put out your nativity scene and you put out the baby Jesus or you put out the manger, but you don't put out the baby Jesus yet because he's not born yet. So you don't put out the baby Jesus yet. And instead you have a little, uh, uh, I don't know, a bowl or something with a bunch of little pieces of yarn or straw. And every time a, one of your children does a good deed, they get to pick a piece of yarn and they put it in the manger. And the idea is that um, doing a good deed is like making the, bed for baby Jesus a little bit softer. So it encourages kids to think about doing good things for each other. And so again, so that fights against the like, oh, it's all about presence, you know. So it encourages them to be on the lookout for good deeds that they can do to each other. And it builds virtue. And then it builds up to the idea of Jesus being born. And, you know, you try and encourage the kids so that, you know, oh, by the time baby Jesus is born on December 25th, we're going to have such a nice, soft, have overflowing. So we tried that <laughs> And in our family, it was a complete disaster, (laughs) which is probably predictable. But we just we don't have the kind of house where that kind of thing works. We lost the yarn and they were fighting over the yarn and they were being sarcastic about what counted as a good deed and what didn't count as a good deed. And, you know, within three days, it was completely counterproductive, you know, and and I can imagine and I'm not saying it's a bad practice because I can imagine in some families It would be beautiful. It would be a wonderful, meaningful thing. And it would be so poignant and and the the kids would just grow in love for each other. And it would be a wonderful, meaningful thing. And they just wouldn't be able to wait to pass it down to their own children. And in our house, it was just yarn fights, you know, so It's it sounds like such a cliche, but I always I always if people ask me what I always tell them is you do what works for you, you know. Because if you're doing what doesn't work for you, then it's the wrong thing. It just is, you know. You know, it's 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 a feature, not a bug, that different families are different from each other. So you're you, you need to work with you need to work with who you who you actually are, not who you wish you are, or who you might be, or who somebody else is, or something like that. So I
0: think that's like a good reminder for Christmas in general, just because like there's some, there could be a lot of pressure around Christmas, especially like, oh, yeah. you start getting to multiple generations. Like, oh, we want this to be this oh, way. Gosh, this is what yeah. we have always done. You have right. families merging. It's like, well, are we gonna do what this family always did? Or are we gonna do the Christmas Eve thing that that family did? Like how are we, when, um, and yeah. then like, oh, we better yeah. all get together and be really happy, or it will be a huge letdown. And I don't know, I, I look back at Christmas as, like, as a kid, like the things you think are in the boxes or like how much joy they will bring you are never like, never quite as good as what you had imagined.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, and that's what that's one of one of the things that we do is we really encourage the kids to focus on not so much not focus on presents, but to focus on what are you going to give to people? Because um because giving presents, I mean, that really is a good a good way of of um well, you know, it, it brings about all kinds of, it brings about all kinds of good things, thinking about, thinking about what you're going to do for somebody else. And if it takes the form of a material object, that's nothing, there's nothing anti-Catholic about that. But, um, I have noticed that, um, as my kids get older, the presents that my husband and I pick out for the kids are less and less exciting for them and the presents that they pick out for each other are like, sometimes they open them. I'm like, what is that? I don't even know what that is, but it causes such delight and it's a direct hit. And I'm like, I don't even, I don't even know what this is, but for some reason you really wanted it and they just made each other really happy. So that's, so that's, so that's a nice, thing. I forget, I forget what the point was, but yeah, I mean, but, but as far as, um, uh, I'm sorry if I felt like that related somehow to something you were saying. <laughs> well, the, and the other thing that I wanted to say was that I re, I remember, I mean, when you were talking about, uh, you know, your family of origin and your in-laws family and having different traditions and everything. Um, boy, uh, especially, especially women can put so much pressure on themselves to make everything so magical from, you know, right out of the gate. And that's... Um, I always want to remind people that it takes many, many years to build traditions and it doesn't, you know, nobody has a tradition. In in the first year, like that's not that's not a thing. That's not what traditions are. Traditions are by definition something that take years that take years to build. So it's okay if your first Christmas together feels a little like weird and hollow and empty and like you're not doing it right. Like of course it's brand shiny new. Like why would you why would you have everything all established and cozy and and nostalgic feeling when it's when it's when it's new. So. I I try. I always do try and encourage people when they ask <laughs> to be patient with themselves and to not feel that they have to have everything all very well established from the very beginning. You know, you don't have any. You don't have anything to prove as a newlywed. I think a lot of time people feel like they have something to prove. Um, you know, they're the, the best Catholic family ever, and they've got they're doing everything right, and 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 they're they're gonna they're gonna show their kids exactly the full meaning of Christmas when they're six months old and the baby does not care the baby absolutely the baby needs to have socks on his feet and probably something on his head and that is basically you know (laughs) you're set yeah i I remember
0: my my first christmas i was married and we were decorating the tree and um we had very different visions of how a tree would be decorated Uh my wife it was like it's put You put like you spread out the like very simple like ball shaped ones, and so Uh you balance those out. And then you take the like more unique ones, and you you kind of spread those out. And for me, it was always just like put everything up and don't even think about it. Just (laughs) and realize that our mothers were arguing with each other through us. Oh um,
1: yes, (laughs) like
0: as proxies for our mothers, um, which again is another. Yeah, family of origin, holiday, all those things are fun coming together. So for your own now, like at this stage, what do you think? What will Christmas Day be like at the uh, Fisher House? If you have to guess. Well,
1: yeah. uh, the one thing that we absolutely have to have is the uh, the famous cake or pie um, chant. um what happened? The cake or pie is, chant? It's the cake or pie chant. It's the, it's the one, um, other than going to mass, the cake or pie chant is the one thing that we have to have. We have, uh, one of my kids, uh, uh there's really no other way to put it. She's a tremendous cheapskate. She does not like to spend money. <laughs> she just does not like to spend money. And she was at Walmart one time and she discovered that they sell these little miniature pies for 50 cents. I don't know. Maybe you've seen them. They're just, they're little, I don't know. They're about four inches across and they come in a little box. And there's a few different flavors and it's a little it's a little pie and it's 50 cents. And if you have a lot of people to buy for like, okay, (laughs) you can you can get everybody a pie. And then she realized they also have little cakes for 50 cents. And she realized you could buy everybody either a cake or a pie and you'd only have to spend 50 cents a piece and you could have the rest of your allowance for yourself. And this was pretty great. So, <laughs> and people didn't realize that this is what she had done. So she, so she wrapped them all up. And the way that we do it in our family, rather than a free for all, we have everybody open their presents one at a time while everybody watches. Um, so every time a present from this particular kid, um, came up again, It's after the first few ones and we realize these are all going to be either a cake or a pie. The, the chant started up and we got started going cake or pie, cake or pie, cake or pie. And then you would open it up and it was a pie and go pie! Yay! And everybody clap and cheer. And it got to be funnier and funnier. And you know, and there were 12 people in the house. Well, so 11 people. She didn't get one, obviously. So, you know, we did this 11 times. Cake or pie, cake or pie. Yeah, it's pie. And it was so funny. It was just, and you know, it, my husband and I had gotten about four four hours of sleep (laughs) because we'd gone to, you know, midnight mass or whatever the closest to midnight mass was. And, and the kids were all hyped up because it was Christmas. And it was just, it was one of those just completely, everybody was like halfway hysterical. And it was just, it was just the funniest. It was just the funniest thing that had ever happened. So the next year we are like, all right, well, you have to do the cake or pie. (laughs) So I think it's the fourth year running now. So she's kind of locked in now. Like she's definitely more willing to lay out a little bit more cash now, but she is locked in and she oh, has yeah. to get cake or pie well, for everybody because we the, didn't that's do the, it. it keeps
0: on, that, keeps, that keeps on working out for her then if she's like, well, so I'm, I'm going to spend five bucks on Christmas uh, every year. Right, But um, no.
1: I mean, the only bad thing that could happen is if, you know, the price of cake or pie went up. Then right.
0: <laughs> or if they if they stopped making them, then she'd have to make it yeah. herself. Or,
1: yeah. There was um, one year when she had a hard time finding cake and she had ooh. to um, she had to improvise a little. She, she worked something out. It
0: was, She's never done like one of them. looks like the same, but is like a, a box she of, did. Of, one co- year. She did something.
1: something. She did something weird where she had she had like. Pieces of bread wrapped up in tin foil or something. I forget what it was, but it was it was it was a little it was a little iffy And then the next year she went back to cake or pies. So the original, yeah. You don't you don't mess, you with, don't the, mess yeah. with tradition, right? If it if it works, if if it ain't right. broke, you don't fix it. So.
0: Especially, yeah. Three times to- my 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 dad was like, three times you can call it a tradition. Once it's exactly, three, right, exactly. It, it's, um, so uh, if you're playing Christmas music in your house, what are some underrated Christmas songs uh, from your perspective that we should add to our playlist? Lists.
1: well i don't honestly i don't know if this counts as underrated or not i i i don't i don't know what other people listen to for christmas songs my kids my kids have completely bizarre ideas of what counts as christmas music and it's just like i i won't even i, I can't even be in the same room with them when they're listening to their christmas music like i have i have one kid i have one kid who only listens to video game music like if he If it's his turn to choose the soundtrack, if we're on a family trip or something, and it's his turn and he gets it, you know, for 50 miles or something, it's just video game music. And I, I don't know what to do with that. Like, that's not, that's not really music. That's, (laughs) that's sound effects. Like, that's not, I mean, (sighs) technically it's music, but. It's a little strange. It's a little strange to me, but this is where we let our children be who they are. And um anyway, so anyway, what I'm trying to say is I, I don't when he listens to his Christmas music, I don't I sort of sidle out the other door. But um one of my favorite songs happens to be um The Friendly Beasts, which is a little which is a little kid's song. And I realize it's a little kid's song. I don't know. I don't do you know this one? I no, I don't. Oh, it's so cute. It's I don't even I don't even completely know it. I didn't learn it when I was little, Um but I, I came across it. It's 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 one of those songs where it's just like the you know, the donkey says, well, this is what I did. And the sheep says, well, this is what I did. And 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 they're just talking about like, you know, while they were all hanging around baby Jesus and they offered like one of them had like <laughs> kitty. This is a really ringing endorsement I can't really remember this song that that I'm recommending but it's very it's very sweet and I came across a recording by the Avitt brothers who are some there's sort of like a like a yeah. cow cowboy band or something right like a yeah, like, like an little, all country little, little, uh, folk yeah, band. yeah yeah or they're yeah. from like Louisiana or something like that and um and it was just the nicest sweetest little thing and I just I just I, I like it because <sighs> because well i just like it i like how it sounds it's just nice and it's fun to sing along with and i like i like the animals the animals are nice <laughs> and and it and it's one of those and it's one of those just like i'm really into the the whole like you just bring what you have and you don't worry about it thing now like that's my big message right now like you just you whatever you've got that's fine and you just go ahead and bring that and that's going to be good enough and that's um I'm really banking on that right now, just in general, you know, in my spiritual life and just in general, like whatever you have, you go ahead and bring that. And that's going to be we're going we're all going to appreciate that. And um, and that's going to work for us. So that's that's basically the message of the song. You know, the different animals brought their their straw or whatever an apple or something i don't i'll well, have to no look no straw in
0: your house because it's all been
1: well no been no we don't want the straw but i mean if thrown. if if you were to bring straw and that was the best you could do i would be gracious about it right but well, metaphorically like the magi, speaking
0: right i mean like the magi i mean like they don't know what to give a kid right like that's a. <laughs> right thing you know. like,
1: here's some so, this is hmm. some embalming fluid we thought the baby <laughs> might want it <laughs> thank you yeah, I, one of the, nice. the things i
0: Like one of those, like, cute, like, uh, you know, young kid Christmas things that I do think is nice is like when the nativity set is up, and then, like, the action figures or dolls or toys from other things get, like, mixed in or are, like, over by the nativity. So you'll have, like, the superheroes there also. Which, yeah, that's, like, a nice, oh, yeah, everyone's coming. Everyone's bringing their superpowers or whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I I saw, oh, my gosh, I saw one time a little boy had arranged i think it was like a whole circle of stormtroopers and they were had done like a it was like a roman phalanx kind of thing and they were all facing outward and the baby jesus was on the inside and they were ready like they were gonna they were gonna take care of him <laughs> was, i don't know if it's necessarily a stormtrooper thing per se but it was the 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 the, the, the idea was there it was very right. sweet
0: Right. No, certainly. So you are a writer and have to write about Advent and Christmas kind of in the middle of it. And one thing I love about your writing is that you'll do a lot of the stuff we've been doing, like family things, very human things, but then you'll also like pull in, I don't know, this beautiful reflection on like the bigger meaning of stuff, but it's always connected. I don't know. I, I just think you're you're great. And we'll link to some of your, your stuff uh, that you've written. But so I'm curious for you as you've been sitting and thinking about these things in 2021 like what details or images from the nativity story where have you been like in your own prayer or writing life uh, this year yeah
1: well this is something that i haven't written about yet but one of the Kids said to me, "The I guess, I guess one of my kids was talking about it in school. Actually, they go to my kids. Well, some of my kids go to a charter school where they're some of the few. I think they might be the only Catholics there, and they're probably some of the few Christians there. So they're kind of um, the younger ones anyway, who are not self conscious about it at all. They're just like, well, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, they're very, <laughs> they're very, uh, they're pretty excited about it. And um, so my six year old had started a conversation about it, and she said. One of the so she was just telling the Christmas story to one of her little friends, and he said, Well, if I was in charge of the inn, I would have just kicked somebody out and I would have had I would have put Joseph and Mary in there, you know, because you know, clearly you have to make a spot for Jesus to be born because he's God, you know. (laughs) And and I thought to myself, Well, like maybe, maybe he would have, but on the other hand, like. It's such a strange thing. The way it's told in the gospel, it's pretty obvious that some people recognized that something amazing was going on. I mean, the shepherds realized that something incredible was going on because, you know, the heavens opened up and the glory of God streamed forth and there were angels zooming around in the sky and, 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 you know, lights flashing and trumpets blaring and everything. And, and that got their attention and they knew they were told literally word for word what was going on. But then there were other people who, you know literally had no idea they they saw mary and joseph and they saw the baby jesus and meh, it was just another just another jew family you know they they saw them face to face and it didn't make any impression on them at all for whatever reason because either because they were living their life in such a way that they weren't open to recognizing god when they saw him or because God was choosing not to reveal himself to them right then because, you know, that happens too. Or for any number of reasons, you know, they were busy or they were distracted or they were sick or something. And I thought how (laughs) that's something that caught my attention. And I was thinking how (sighs) I mean, this is something that this is literally the most important thing that's ever happened in the history of the world, right? The the, the incarnation. Well, okay, except for the, the passion and the resurrection, we'll just sort of ball them all in together, right? <laughs> and even the people who were there at the time didn't necessarily recognize they could see him face to face, and they didn't necessarily recognize him. And that tells us something about how much more peril we are in of failing to recognize uh, you know, Jesus, when he's more, even more removed from us, when we're not literally face to face with him, but when we're seeing him, oh, you know, in the face of the poor, or in the face of our irritating brother-in-law or, <laughs> or, or or something like that. I I guess, I guess I've been thinking about how, Ah, uh, I guess I've been thinking about how Jesus hides. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why he does that. And
0: I don't know, do you know? <laughs> oh, no, no. But I do think like there are sometimes that instinct, right? It's like, oh, if I could just see some of these things, you know, they, yeah. they hear like, if I could see the miracle, then that would be so easy for me. And then like, right. I would be totally in and my doubts would be removed. But you see, again, right. as you're saying, like that's a common theme, right? Right, clearly not, that, yeah. Yeah, no, that there has to be, There's some. there was faith required of the, apostles who hung out with him all the time there, you know it right wasn't, it wasn't just the, like that kind of slam dunk oh you right you. right
1: and then yeah. you and think about
0: it, yeah go ahead no go no you go well
1: i was thinking of the scene in uh everybody always brings this up there's that great scene in the um in c.s lewis's narnia book the last battle where um you know it's it's, it's, it's the end of the world. And now I'm going to forget some of the details. I haven't read this book in years and years, but basically Aslan is opening up paradise to people. And so and 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 I think it's I think it's dwarfs or something I shoot, I haven't read this in such a long time, and I can't remember it, but these are people who are who don't know aslan who is who is Jesus, and they you know they don't recognize him, they don't know who he is, they don't know that he's God, they've never seen him before, but some of them have lived their lives in virtuous ways so that when they do meet him, they recognize him for who he is, and they see the things that he's offering them as good and he gives them food and drink and they recognize it as a feast. And then there are others of them who have lived their lives in in vicious ways and he offers them food and drink and to them it just looks like old rotten straw and dirty water. And it's the same it is the same thing and it's about their disposition. It's about, it's about how they've prepared themselves. It's about how they've lived their lives up until that moment, preparing themselves to to receive, to receive what he gives them. And that's what makes them either able to recognize it or not recognize it. And that, you know, that's a terrifying thought. (laughs) I think, oh, no, I'm 46 years old. How have I been doing so far? You know, if if Joseph and Mary came to my door, like, what would I what would I see? How have I how have I disposed myself? How have I been training myself? I I don't know. I don't yeah, know. it makes me.
0: Th- it makes me think too of like the. I mean, and this is I think written by uh, Ronald Rolheiser, who's a one of my favorite like spiritual authors. but Talks about like what the the power of God revealed in the nativity scene is, uh, and like how God works that way, and like what the power of God to encounter that is. And he says like if you're in a room, and there's like a linebacker from a football team in the room, and he like tackles you, or a boxer and they hit you in the ribs, like you get knocked over and you lose your your breath for a second but then you get back up and you're okay and then you're just you know maybe hurting for a bit but then like if you in that same room you bring like a baby and you drop the baby into my lap then like all of a sudden i'm speaking like i'm cooing or speaking baby talk to this baby Uh Uh, or maybe you give it to the linebacker and then the linebacker is speaking baby talk to the baby right so like there's like some kind of internal change that happens and so like that that power is different and more akin to like the power of god than the linebacker or the boxer or at least yeah. like as revealed yeah. in the nativity. Yeah. But it's like that kind of yeah. quiet, helpless, like and if I were the son of God, I would not have come that way if I got to choose. <laughs> and, um, would have been in a parade. Uh, so yeah, so I don't know. I guess that, that's not really all that connected, but I think it's in a similar
1: Well, spirit. I mean, it's it's certain, it's certain certainly connected because I mean, we're, we're, the thing is, we don't really have to wonder because we know what it's like to have Jesus come to us in some kind of, some kind of way that's not completely evident because we have the Eucharist. I mean, if you think of something that looks less like God, it's a a round white wafer. Like that looks like the opposite of what God is supposed to look like. So we really have to, we really always have the opportunity at least once a week, right? (laughs) To figure out, to sort of, you know, put ourselves to the test a little bit and see if we're, uh, and and see and see how, how willing we are to use to use our faith and to develop our faith and and not use just our you know our emotions and our normal senses I guess um. there's
0: one just one last kind of thing I wanted to ask you about before I let you go which is again so like this year is like especially you know at the tail end of a couple of years of, of pandemic there's always the like the thing that you hear about or read about Christmas is like oh it's so it's like it's busy it's loud I don't get a chance to like be quiet and reflect, um, which is I feel like as life as a parent is generally like just every day I don't get a chance to be quiet and reflect really. Um, right. So like people who are like craving some of that like not just like nothing to do because we've had a plenty of nothing to do, but like some kind of intentional like set aside quiet. Like, do you have like how are you able to find that in the midst of your chaos? Do do you yeah. or do you yeah yeah so what yeah what what any uh, your experience in that.
1: Yeah, well, um I uh, that's a that's a good question. That's something that I've been actually telling myself that I that I need a little bit more of. But I guess I guess I would say to return to what I had mentioned toward the beginning, which is the screen free thing. I mean, this is something that really. Um, it might not affect you so much with your kids being younger, but for, um, for <laughs> me and for my older kids, it certainly, certainly affects us. But, you know, turning off the screens and also just, I mean, our senses affect us maybe more than we realize. So I think turning down the lights and maybe lighting a candle rather than having electric lights. I think that kind of thing can, um, it, it really, you know, that's one, one thing that Catholicism is really good at is engaging our senses. And I think that's something that we should take advantage of um you know it's not it's, uh, it's uh, the th- the things that we do with our senses are not the same as our faith but there's no reason not to take advantage of what our senses can do for us you know what i mean so i think you know turning off our screens and turning down the lights lighting a candle playing some music and, you know, Advent Advent is short, the Christmas season is short, and I think sometimes we just have to decide, you know what, I'm just going to do this, I'm not going to wait until it's convenient or easy or, you know, it automatically gets programmed for me, I'm just going to decide that I'm going to go ahead and do it. And you know what you can do? Um, we discovered is that you can automatically set it so that the internet shuts itself off at a certain time. So you don't have to wait until you remember to do it. So I guess that's what I would that's what I would recommend is, uh, you know, go to your router and figure out the you know, see if you can remember what the password is and shut the internet off. Maybe, uh maybe that's just maybe that's just me. But for me, that would be that would be that would be the number one thing and then just see and then just see and then see what develops because um, a lot of us have a lot of a lot of resources that we've sort of forgotten that we've forgotten to uh, things that we've forgotten that we know how to do, you know, talk and play and read and rest. And these are things that kind of get stolen from us when we're constantly distracted. You know, so when we take our distractions away, a lot of the time we still have these inner resources that are available to us if we give them a chance to kind of spread out a little bit. So that's that's something that um, that's something I'm going to work on the rest of this week.
0: (laughs) That's super Ignatian, too, as Jesuit podcast, we have to talk about that. I mean, the sense of like letting your senses kind of taking some of that information and then using them in like an imaginary way as well to kind of set yourself into those stories. And uh, yeah, it was like last I was going through the spiritual exercises last Advent. Christmas time and kind of prayed with the nativity scene as like as if I you know put yourself in the scene right like that's what Ignatius says to do and so like prayed that way and then like encountered Joseph in a new way who was like a fellow dad of young kids oh, and just like kind of sitting yeah. together and just like kind of being amazed at that um I was like oh I have like a connection with Joseph through this way that I never had before um, so yeah, again, such like these rich stories we know well, but I found like the, that Ignatian tradition of just like, no, go ahead and hop in there. And Ignatius says like, make yourself useful when you're there, yeah. like hold the baby, do something <laughs> <Yeah>. helpful. <gasps> oh, that's um, nice. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, like do something, yeah. uh, be there, uh, can be a way too to, in some of those stories that feel like, oh yeah, I know this one by heart so well. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I, I felt like mm-hmm. I got to know it a little bit better kind of using some of those, uh, those sensate uh, imaginary, yeah, um, it's prayer, am- it is
1: amazing how rich they are. I mean, you'd think we would be tired of hearing it by now, but I'm not I'm not tired of it it's just because it's familiar. I mean, you're not tired of you. You're not tired of your own life. You're not tired of your own memories. So, you know, it's it's the same. It's the same with the memories of this, the memories of the faith. You, you you can return to them again and again. But 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 yeah, but but using your senses to kind of to, to kind of re-explore them. That's that can be a really beautiful and rich thing. So Simca, where can
0: people uh find your stuff uh if they if they want to read what you have to say?
1: Uh well my main landing page is just at com, So that's simchafishe dot com. And um Uh, Just about everything I publish in various places um, ends up up there one way or the other. I do write for America Magazine. I write for the Catholic Weekly, which is an Australian newspaper. And I write for my diocesan magazine, which is in New Hampshire, the Diocese of Manchester, which is Parable Magazine. And I spend way too much time on Twitter and Facebook. (laughs) So... (laughs) You can so certainly, can find, you certainly there. find me there. Oh, yes, yeah. you can. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll
0: link to all that. We'll put the America one up first because that's the Jesuits. So we're <laughs> happy to have you in the family. Um, but to all the, those places. Yeah. And thank you for this, taking this time out of uh, your own advent and uh, your own craziness to to chat. And, um, yeah, have a, a great Christmas celebration. And I
1: um, well, yeah, look forward to connecting to you. with you again sometime. Uh, same here. It was a real pleasure. Thanks.
0: AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States. And when we're not working from home, the show is recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. AMDG is edited by Marcus Bleach, and our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at Jesuits, and Facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting Jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation to the Jesuits, connect with the Jesuit vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.